This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 441. Hi, I'm Stephen M. R. Covey, the author of the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling book, The Speed of Trust, The One Thing That Changes Everything. Shift your professional growth into high gear every time you listen to this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. It would be impossible for me to estimate the amount of time and number of books I've read, webinars I've joined, documentaries I've watched, and the notes I've taken about them that went absolutely nowhere. If that hit you right between the eyes, then today's episode is for you. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I believe that intentional and consistent reading is key to success in business and in life, and that's why I created the Read to Lead podcast. Typically, we have a new author we welcome on each week to talk about their latest book. We're detouring from that today. It's a solo episode as I unpack the four key components to taking smarter notes. The four aspects of the process you need to understand for your notes on all the content you consume, whether books or podcasts or videos, say TED Talks, articles on the web, to become things that serve you. If you're taking notes on this stuff and then not using the notes in some way to create writing of some kind or presentation or to use at work in a meeting and conversation, why are you consuming the content? Oftentimes, I find that people consume this content and maybe take some notes and then put them away and think that just because they they took notes and they listened or watched or read whatever that thing was, that they now know what they need to know until that same topic becomes a part of a discussion (laughs) at some future point. And then you find yourself trying to talk about it intelligently based on that book or whatever you read three weeks ago. And you suddenly realize, wow, I, I, I don't know this nearly as well as, as I thought I did. That's because capturing other people's thoughts and ideas, even in your own handwriting, is only part of the process. You've got to, at the very outset, think about putting those thoughts into your own words, adding to those thoughts, taking the ball of those thoughts further down the field, so to speak, doing something new and unique with that thing you've learned, with that idea that, that has resonated with you. You see, to be writing is thinking. It's only through that writing that the brain is truly engaged. It's only through that kind of writing, making the thoughts and ideas your own, that the brain is truly engaged. And then when that topic comes up in conversation, suddenly you'll be able to talk about it intelligently. You won't sound like somebody who just read something and did nothing else with it or little else with it and is trying to sound smart now. You'll sound like somebody who's not only consumed that content or researched those ideas, but also who's thought about them, written about them, That's the person who's truly making a difference with the content they're consuming. That's the person who's actually doing something with that content to not only grow and learn themselves, but to impact the people around them. So let me discuss briefly here the four key components of taking smarter notes. And I've already hinted at one or two of these in the things that I've said. Uh, The first step, and, and these are in a particular order, the first step is to get better at collecting and capturing your notes. This involves understanding what to write, how much, what tools to use, and when. Now, in the 21st century, I often recommend digital tools. And I'll use a myriad of of tools to capture content that I want to remember, or I want to expound on, or I want to explore, depending on the content that I'm consuming. If I'm consuming a physical book, I might capture notes one way. If I'm consuming an ebook, I'll capture thoughts and notes possibly another way. 
if I'm consuming a, an article on the web, yet another way. And it's okay to have different tools. In fact, you'll need a multitude of tools to capture content depending on the content you're consuming. However, at the end of the day, all those things that you've captured, even if it's, say, handwritten notes at first on, on a physical book, let's say, all those different notes captured in all these different ways need to be brought to a single place, to one place called a central hub. Your central hub will, will vary depending on your note-taking style. About a month ago, in episode 437, I did an episode on various note-taking styles and how to determine which one you are and which central hub or app is probably best for you. I'll, I'll name them quickly as a review and the corresponding note app that is best. Uh, there's the architect. An architect likes structure and the ability to majorly customize their note-taking environment. Most times they may even want something that they can build from the ground up. An app like Notion is a great choice for that type of person, if that's you. A gardener is someone who enjoys allowing their notes to breathe a bit more, giving them the opportunity to go wherever they might go, uh, to take on a life of their own, perhaps. Gardeners thrive on serendipity when it comes to note-taking. And a couple of choices for gardeners are the apps Rome Research and Obsidian, my personal favorite. Yes, I'm a gardener. And, and gardeners often are creatives, writers. If you identify as one of those, then Rome Research or Obsidian might be useful for you. A lot of folks... I think the largest group of note takers are what's called librarians. They tend to thrive on order and hierarchies. They often relish the typical folder structure that we see as part of most you know, digital organizational systems, uh, including our computers and you know, apps like Dropbox, things like that. And most librarians use an app, the most popular app at least, called Evernote. If you're anything like me, you might soon discover as, as you follow my journey on this, that you've been using an app that is not suitable for your note taking archetype. I used Evernote for decades, not realizing there was such a thing as archetypes. When I discovered archetypes, thank you, Anne-Laure LeConf, who I talked about in episode 437, and it wasn't until I realized that I'm a gardener that I realized I'm using the wrong app. I'd always struggled with Evernote. I had over 100 folders in Evernote and probably a few hundred tags, and it was just, it was an insane mess. That's not the case anymore. That's not a knock on Evernote. If you're a librarian, Evernote works for you. That's great. It just wasn't for me. So again, it's important to understand uh, the differences when it comes to determining well, what's your central hub going to be. Again, everything's got to ultimately come back to the same place, regardless of the collection and, and capture tools you're using. So that's collect and or capture. The next phase is connect and or organize your notes. Uh, so that you can easily and effectively and sometimes serendipitously find them later when it matters. One of the things I think that is lost on a lot of people is how powerful it can be when new ideas captured, say, today, effortlessly connect with ideas you've already captured in your note-taking system. Sometimes this can be managed with things like tags. One of the things I love about my central hub, the place where my notes live, is as I may be working with a note I've just captured, I can see on the right a view of notes I have from the past that may, for one reason or another, connect to this note or need to be connected to this note. And that leads to all kinds of combinations you never would have been able to make on your own, that the app is doing the work for you such that you find connections you wouldn't have otherwise found. So that's why note connection to me, this idea of bilateral linking is such, is such a big deal. And it lends itself to organization as well. Now, organization can also include 
you know, things like folders. And I'm not averse to those, though I shun hierarchies for the most part. I think a few folders uh, is okay, but you don't want to go hog wild here. You don't want to have, I, I think, more than seven to 10 and even less than that is better. One popular system is the PARA system, projects, areas of responsibility, resources, and archives. That's what PARA stands for. The key with a system like that is understanding that you're not thinking of the node in terms of where does this go now? Where does it make sense for this to go now based on what the note's about? What folder? How should it be tagged? You're not thinking so much where the note should go now because of what's it about. Instead, you're, you're filing notes based on where you want to find them next. In what context do you want these notes to resurface? What thing are you going to be working on down the road where these notes will come in handy and file them based on that? File them based on context and where you need them next, likely, versus where you think they ought to go now. It makes a huge difference in how much easier it is for your notes to resurface when you need them. All right, the third step I call contributing to your notes. Another way to say this is to, to develop and distill your notes. Uh, this is adding your unique responses to the inputs you're bringing in, your own ideas and insights generated from the content you consume. And by developing your notes, distilling your notes down to their essence, you're making sure that your unique responses to the inputs aren't falling through the cracks. One of the key things missed here, I often find, is people think that when they capture a piece of content, maybe a highlight from a Kindle a book they're reading, or uh, notes they've typed out from a YouTube video they watched, that it's necessary right then and there to get everything down from your own head about that note that might be useful to you. That's a problem because when you do all that work on the front end, you don't yet know if you're doing it for a note or idea that you may never end up using. So that becomes wasted time. Better to tweak it just a little, give it context, add any thoughts or ideas you have in the moment. And then each time that note resurfaces, each time you come back to it, look at it again. What else can you add? What else can you paraphrase? What else can you reword? What else can you take further down the field, so to speak? Do that gradually in baby steps so that you're not trying to complete thoughts and ideas on a particular note from top to bottom the moment you captured the content or the idea. Now, the beauty of this is in the way it serves the fourth step, which I call to create with or create from your notes. These are the things that are going to come out of you that are new and unique that are going to change and impact the world because of your personal knowledge management system and the power it gives you and the way in which you use it. You see these little baby steps worth of, of, of additions and ideas and thoughts you've fleshed out a little bit at a time with each of these notes. These are all building blocks. And over time, a little bit at a time, you're developing building block after building block versus, again, trying to do it all at once, such that when you do get ready to create, let's say you, you need to deliver a presentation around mindset. When you jump into your central hub and you look at what's there on mindset and you find a plethora of building blocks, suddenly, instead of staring at a blank page or at a blank screen, you've got all this information that's already been tweaked, that's already been added to, that's already been massaged. And now your only job is to put them in order, is to create a, a narrative, a cohesive narrative that connects one idea to the next. In other words, you've sat down to create and 80% of the work is already done for you. Instead of what happens with most people, and especially with writers, you sit down to create and you hit a brick wall because you look at your notes and you realize, this is just a bunch of stuff I've captured. I've not added anything to it. I've not organized it. It's not in context. And so all the work 
has to be done now before you can create. <laughs> you you, you got to stop creating because you got to do all that organization and writing of your own ideas first, and then you can create. Well, that's not the way. To, that's the way I tried to write a book for years. The only reason I was able to finally write a book is because I took the baby steps I just laid out for you as I captured content such that when I got ready to create, again, 80% of the work had been done for me along the way, baby step by baby step by baby step. Now, you may not have a desire to write a book. Maybe you just want to create that presentation I mentioned a moment ago. Maybe you just want to have better conversations. Maybe you want to write better emails and memos. Maybe you want to have better meetings. Then a system like this is sure to help you. If it can help with writing a book, I think it can help with those things as well. And I, and I say that because uh, you know a book is, is such a much larger project than those other things, typically. Much more involved. You know, We're talking 50 to 75,000 words. Most other things you're going to create aren't quite that exhaustive. And maybe you think, well, Jeff, I don't, I don't really write all that much. I, I, don't think this is, I don't think this is useful to me. Every bit of creation starts with writing. Thinking starts with writing. My central hub for me, as much as anything else, is my thinking tool. So to review, there's collect, connect, contribute to, and create with. Or collect and capture your notes, connect and organize your notes, contribute to your notes by developing them and distilling them down, and creating with or from your notes. And again, when you sit down to do that using this system, whatever you sit down to create is already 80% of the way done in theory. I hope this has been helpful to you. If you have any questions about any of this, I'd love for you to shoot me an email, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. I also wanted to let you know that October, I'm launching the third note-making mastery cohort, and I have a few spots open. I'd love for you to participate. I have gotten a lot of feedback from folks saying, Jeff, I want a recordings-only option. The cohort's taught live over the four Tuesdays in October, and it's happening in the afternoon, uh, Eastern time, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. And I've had a lot of folks say, Jeff, I would love to do this, but I can't do it at that time. Could you offer a, a recordings-only option that's maybe a little bit little bit cheaper? So I've decided yes on that. So just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash smartnotes. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash smartnotes. And there you will see two options to register for my next note-making mastery cohort, either the live sessions and Q&A throughout Tuesdays in October or the replays only at a discounted price. One more time, the place to go is readtoleadpodcast.com slash smartnotes. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash smartnotes. Mark C. from the first cohort said this about his experience. He says, Jeff is a subject matter expert in the arena known as personal knowledge management systems. He's got hundreds, if not thousands of hours logged studying and practicing the subject matter. This deliberate study and practice show through in every session of the course. The course is very interactive. It allows for collaborative discussion and learning by all participants. He goes on to say, if you're looking for an intentional, systematic approach that can be tailored to your individual learning style and personality, then this is the course for you. And he finishes by saying, Jeff's a teacher at heart. He is a dedicated student of leadership, personal development, self-improvement, and productivity. I encourage you to sign up today. Thank you so much for that, Mark. I appreciate that. Again, one more time, readtoleadpodcast.com slash smartnotes to see those two options to register for the October edition cohort number three of note making mastery well next time on the show i am looking forward to bringing you a conversation with cynthia covey howler she is the daughter of the late stephen r covey and they began working on a book before he passed called live life in crescendo 
and she's spent the years since he passed finishing up that book. This book represents his final writing. Stephen R. Covey, of course, uh, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Cynthia, his daughter, going to be bringing it to us next time on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you'll be here. That'll be episode 442. That's it for this time. I look forward to seeing you for that next episode. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.